You're there you right. go. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have with me an amazing lady. She is all the way from Melbourne, Australia. If I'm correct on that, she'll correct me if I'm wrong. Um, her name is Harley Sin. Harley Sin, please tell the audience who you are because that is the, the biggest question that comes into a podcast when someone comes on. Tell them who you are, why you were here today, and then the next question I'll ask afterwards. <laughs> okay, uh, so first the, sorry. Uh, so think Melbourne, like a fire burns. That's um, often the shortcut for how to say it. Um, I'm a performer, a, um, I guess, just all-round creative on the internet. Um, so I kind of just uh, follow the dopamine to whatever interests me, um, which means that I get across a lot of platforms and a lot of different audiences and, you know, often a follower or a fan will suggest something and be like, yeah, okay, why not? Let's give it a go. And some things stick, some things don't. Okay. And inside content creation, you do a lot of different things. You're a Twitch, we'll say a video gamer, um, and you are a model and you model across the board. You're modeling, I want to say this, it goes from science fiction to deeper fiction because you do some stuff with Star Wars and then you have an array of different things that you do. Now inside this, um, you have an, an exercise that, that you can see on Instagram. There's this uh, ring that you're in. And if you wouldn't mind to the audience, can you explain to them this ring, how you got to starting uh, using this ring in, every, in all the pop culture that goes along with being in Australia? <laughs> um, so the exercise is called Lyra. So um, lots of people know silks. Uh, lots of people also describe it as, oh, that thing that pink does. <laughs> um, but it is basically just a, a metal hoop that's hung from the ceiling and you do tricks in it is the really short version of it. Um, and I kind of actually got into it because uh, I don't know about over there, but here in Australia, there was a period of time where everybody I knew was doing a pole dancing class. And so I was like, okay, cool. That seems fun. I'll go give that a go. And it turns out I was terrible at it and hated every minute of it and the teacher that I had at the time was like um you just do it for a whole lot of things and I was like I don't I, but I can't just do it what am I doing and so I was like screw this I'm finding something else and at the same time somebody I knew had um promoted that they were training at a aerial studio that had just opened I was like oh that seems more interesting nobody's really doing this I'll give it a go fully expected to walk in and be like no I hate this too it turns out I just hate all exercise um but immediately clicked with my trainer she's got a very analytical mind like I do so she's very down to break stuff down and go how else can we approach this so that you actually understand it um and yeah it was originally just something that was going to be my I'm making a little bit of an effort to be fit it's just for fun thing but uh, you get a bit hooked over time so yeah I've been doing it for ages now okay and initially when I seen it I was thinking of Circus Olay Soleil yeah and, and so all that stuff. it ahead. is a skill that started in circus so it was something that once upon a time you could only learn by kind of joining a circus or yeah, committing pretty heavily to acrobatic school and things like that Okay, because that right there, I was kind of like, wow, you know, seeing all that stuff. Now, going further on, you are in Australia. Now, let's do something real quick. Can you give us five things in Australia that are only in Australia that are not 
outside of the culture because people yeah. you know understand it's like with the culture you know people take crocodile dundee people take mm-hmm. uh steve Irwin, and, and i know there's other other things that they take from the culture but those two things are the biggest you know things and crocodile dundee a lot of it doesn't even pertain to australia but um what are five things in australia that are nowhere else i will say i think both of those things very much lean into an australian sense of humor so so like a lot of it's fictional but it's not as ridiculous as it seems when you get here um so i live in melbourne specifically we've got a really big coffee culture here and it's actually quite common for it to be really hard to find melbourne quality coffee in the rest of the world sorry excuse me a second my dog is just demanding he be the star of the show um so yeah I, like i think th- uh, an unexpectedly great coffee scene in melbourne in particular uh, everybody knows about our animals so we've got the crocodiles the kangaroos the uh, emus, all the things. Fun fact, the only war legally recognised as being fought on Australian soil was with emus and we lost to the emus. Now, I will <laughs> say this about the emus. We do have those here in America. They are something that that it's an alternate meat for ostrich burger. Uh, so they're similar too, but I'm pretty sure that they're actually slightly different birds overall. Yes. yes, yes. Um, so, but, but very, very similar. Yes um what else what's that we've got two things about our our weird animals um I think one of the really interesting things about Australia is we actually hold on to a lot of cultural identities it's really common here for people to say where are you from um even to like I I always joke that I'm the kind of Australian where an ancestor stole a loaf of bread and here I am because we did start off as a convict colony peanut um but people will still, for me, be like, oh, like, where are you from? Where's your family from? Sorry. Peanut, <laughs> you are not the centre of the universe. Stop. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so people do really hold on to that. Even many, many generations in, uh, they'll still identify as being, say, Vietnamese or English or Irish or, you know, wherever it is that they're from. Whereas I know in a lot of other places, when you move somewhere, you become, for example, is like, yeah, I'm American. Like my family's from Vietnam, but I'm American. Um, so we do very much hold on to kind of people's cultures and history in that kind of way. Unfortunately, we don't hold on to our own super well. Um, our Indigenous population doesn't get the same courtesy. But uh, yeah, no, it is a really interesting kind of thing. Um, what am I up to? I've lost. I've <laughs> lost count. <laughs> and how you were doing good. Uh, you were talking about the indigenous, uh, and that's one topic that one day I'll have to have you back on, uh, and, and I'll have to get someone that's Aboriginal to come on about because that's mm. something that is a uh, it's a subject that people hear about, but we don't talk too much about. But but digging into you, as Harley said, that's your pen name, correct? Yes. Yes. And uh, one thing that I always like to ask content creators, we don't want you to expose your real name, but where did this name come from and, and how did you derive it? I wanted to say Harley Quinn, but I don't want to It was a far. Harley Quinn thing. Give me two seconds. I'm just going to pick my dog okay. up and move him so that we can stop having him scratching everything in the background. Give me two seconds. Now, um, there was something that was on your Instagram. There was the word beer wench. A professional beer wench. I need you to explain it to me because once again, this episode is very exciting for me because I'm learning about a different culture. Yeah. So please tell me what a professional beer wench is. Okay. I will circle back to how I chose my name because I don't think I actually answered that. Okay. Um, 
but a beer wench is essentially I mean I suppose that's a little bit of that Australian humor there so I do a lot of bartending um in amongst all of the other things that I do I don't like to sit still for very long um so it's kind of just that very much that joking about um serving beers and you know um I guess it's a little bit like that I don't know if you've ever heard the term like pirate wench or things like that where it's like that yes, yes. you know yeah yeah so similar concept where it's you know the the woman in the background with the too tight corset and the, all that kind of thing Okay. Um, and I'll often joke with our regulars and like my customers and things like that, where it's like, they'll be sitting there politely. And I'm like, oh, you're too polite to just be like, oh, get me a beer, wench. Um, and of course, <laughs> they never would because they actually have some respect for me and what I do. But if they did, they'd be joking anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's a little bit of a like a nod to that and a bit of that kind of silly sense of humor and that way of, I guess, demonstrating, especially to other Australians, that I'm not taking myself too seriously. Yeah, because I do often get that, oh, I thought that you were really stuck up and then I actually spoke to you and you're really cool and relaxed. And so it's, you know, that people don't look at all my photos and be like, oh, she seems like a bit of a bitch. <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Um, but yeah, like she seems really stuck up or really like up herself or things like that. I was like, guys, I'm really I'm the last person to think that I'm someone important. Um, I think especially in this day and age, content creating and things like that, even if you are successful at it, doesn't necessarily make you important outside of the niche that you're in. Because often, I mean, even you say to a lot of people something like PewDiePie, who's one, like the biggest YouTuber ever. And if you're in that space or you're interested in gaming or you're interested in YouTube or content in that kind of way, you're like, yeah, I know exactly who that is. But if you're outside of that bubble, immediately you're like, sorry, was that words? Does right. that mean anything? Um, and so, yeah, it's that thing of like, no matter how big I get in content spaces, and I'm not particularly huge in any of them, um, but yeah, no matter how big you get, no matter how successful you get, you are successful within a bubble or within a niche and outside of that niche and that bubble, no one cares. You're not that important. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I guess that's kind of the, the two things that are hit. So the simple, like simple short answer is it means bartender um but in a way that's a little bit silly and not taking myself too seriously and yeah okay uh, and we'll circle back around like you said to where did harley sin come from yeah so when i was picking a, a stage name or a pen name um i was at a venue and uh, i originally was going to i was certain that my persona was going to be lucy hunter and it was going to be amazing uh, and then Lucy and Hunter were both taken, so I couldn't have either one of those. And I had to panic choose a name. And I said Harley, thinking Harley Quinn, being like, they're going to say, no, that's taken too. And I'm going to have to be like, I'm going to have to come up with some really weird random name. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Uh, and then they went, no, Harley's free. That works. Um, and then when I started performing, doing stage shows, I needed a full name. And I was like, well, I've already got the Harley Quinn thing going for me, so I may as well go Harley Sin okay yeah. yeah that works out there and, and that makes sense um in, in the line of work that you were doing when you're dancing um now let me ask you this we'll go into the actual um artwork on, on what you do on instagram mm -hmm. who is the creative mind behind all of this are you the creative mind behind some of this or all of this um so it's I mean it's a combination of things the Star Wars stuff started with something that I did myself and then one of my friends went oh that's really cool um I also had some people who went hey we're doing a May the 4th party would you come in costume and do that so that kind of expanded out from there and then it started so my friend was the one who was like what if we did this as a life drawing session 
Uh, so it kind of built out from there, but that did kind of originally start for me as my own idea. Uh, and if you scroll back far enough, there's a Stormtrooper helmet that's the original photo. Uh, but <laughs> a lot of it is working with different creatives where we might just throw things at the wall and see what sticks with a few different outfits and have a play around. Uh, a lot of the stuff with uh, the lingerie brand Not Saved has worked that way where we will just kind of get creative and I mean obviously they supply the outfits given that they're a, a lingerie brand um but yeah we just kind of play around and see what works and then there's other ones so a couple of photographers that I work with who will have a really clear concept and be like I want to do this uh and that is one where I'm kind of just leaning into their creativity and their creative stuff I really like playing both creator and muse so I do a lot of life drawing um, or a little bit increasingly more um, and I have always really enjoyed that my mum was an artist so it's really natural for me often I get there and they're like wow you managed to stay really still and I'm like because you guys are way less terrifying than my mother who wouldn't like let me move at all <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I think it's natural for family where it's like if you're drawing someone you don't know you're like oh she moved a bit and it kind of ruined my drawing but that's fine I'll just adjust to the new movement or the new pose um, but when it's family, you're like, oh my God, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, because I started kind of doing stuff for her when she was painting and drawing, I, I kind of always have that in my head when I'm doing it. So they, they quite enjoy it, but yeah, I really like playing news to other people's creativity, but then I do also, I am a pretty creative person myself. So I do like coming out with concepts or being like, so I've got this idea. What do you think? And trying to match that to the right creative to help me make it happen. Okay. Now I've got some content creation questions because this is the amazing mm -hmm. thing when you do a podcast, when you do a podcast, you never know what gems come out of the show, but then there's a important factor that I like to get out of everyone that comes on that is a content creator in anything. Um, the augmented world to the real world, there's mm -hmm. a certain type of pressure because I, even I deal with it. Like I don't, it, it's not necessarily that I have a persona, but the instructional videos, the different things I do on TikTok they're exciting this and that and then I've had people that have met me in real life and they're like hey you're down to earth you're different sort of like you said earlier about how people have a certain perception of how you may look to how you are um what are those pressures like being in the augmented world and then taking that over to the real world and then vice versa okay you're back yes Okay, sorry, I'm not sure what happened there. It's probably good old Australian internet. That's the other thing we have, terrible internet. <laughs> um, so uh, pressures of kind of augmented self versus real self. I actually often use the, uh, like, I think increasingly for people that kind of celebrity quality, I think people don't appreciate often enough that what, a like, obviously when, say, for example, an actor is in a movie and they're playing a character, obviously they're not that character. Like, you know, nobody thinks that, Captain America is real or any of that kind of stuff. We get that. But when they're doing an interview to promote the movie, they have to be in this role where they're themselves, but they're the best version of themselves. So, you know, they're not going to come on and be like, yes, my cat just died. My boyfriend and I just had a fight, you know, whatever is going on in their life. I've just had the worst day ever. You have to put all of that aside and show up as the best version of yourself. So it's, it's kind of hitting that thing where it's like you are, 
not disingenuous you're not not real to who you are but you're not necessarily giving everything away and I think the hard thing about those online platforms is increasingly especially but finding that sweet spot where you're not so presenting the best best version of yourself where it's really really curated and then and then it reads as not particularly real or real reads as too perfect and very much that thing of like you know oh everybody's Instagram is their highlight reel and um so allowing people to see a little bit past that without being like hey here's my like credit card number and you know um giving away too much of yourself and yeah it is just that kind of deciding what it is that you're prepared to share with the world and what you're not so for example I'll never put my brother on my social media I'm happy for people to know that I have a brother but I'll never put him on my media I don't really put any of my family up there but particularly because he's not 18 yet um, I don't think he's in a position to consent and down the track maybe that will change but given that he's a pretty private person I doubt it um but yeah, so it is just that kind of deciding what you are willing to share and what you're not. And a large part of it for me is anything that I'm not ready to have uh, outside opinions on. So I, you know, don't necessarily want strangers to comment on stuff that I'm working on, the, like, you know, whether it's personal growth or if I'm working on a creative project and it's still in that messy raw stage and I'm not ready to have people weigh in because Lord knows people love to weigh in uh, and anything that affects other people is where I tend to kind of draw that line within that it is really something that I've always just been really intuitive about and gone. I do err on the side of sharing less rather than more, but increasingly as I've embraced that content creation and those roles and things like that and coming onto a platform like Twitch, for example, where you are kind of talking as you're doing stuff, you're going to naturally allow a lot more out than you will when you're focusing on say even an Instagram story which is more candid again than an Instagram post that you've taken and edited and done all that stuff with uh so yeah it is like I said it is a lot of it's very intuitive but there are some hard lines for me that I won't cross and I appreciate you giving that um to us in this episode because people think that you have to give certain levels of intimacy like more access to your life in certain mm-hmm. realms and, and in certain areas like that that's where i put a cap on like with what we do um the more intimate if they want to see more stuff that's behind the scenes you know, no one's going to just be able to see the, the front of my house because with a job i do i travel all over the united states so you'll see me in a city somewhere i will give you that you can see that i'm somewhere um mm-hmm. but like you said that level of access is the hardest thing that you have to hold back from the augmented world and in the real world um the one thing that gets me is like I had to be very careful because I didn't realize that, you know, you know, people listen and they follow and they see what you're doing. But in certain instances, there's people that that uh, are more than just a fan. They're the stand, you know, from the Eminem song. And that mm. is the next question I have for you. Has there been any time that you've had to just, you know, sit back and say, hey, I'm not going to push this content issue because of overzealous fans? Um, not so much for me, but I guess because I started kind of as a performer and in an environment where, I mean, as a showgirl, you don't have a stage name just for the hell of it. It, it has always been a security thing. So it's something that uh, I guess started before I was on social media 
where in person I'm very kind of cautious about what I share with people and how much I give away one because the person that you're talking to you don't necessarily know everything about them you don't know I mean plenty of venues have had customers that they've known for years and then they found out that they've got these massive criminal charges against them and they just disappeared overnight because they've gone to jail and everyone's like that guy really oh my god so you often don't know who you're talking to because you don't talk to them outside of the setting of the bar or the venue or wherever it is that you're at um but also and I say this often to girls at the bar I work in now, um, you don't know who's listening down the track. So there's a couple of things there where even say a customer comes in and he's like, hey, do you want to go out for a drink later? And you say, yeah, sure, no worries. You know that he knows that you've got a partner and he's really chill about it and you're just going to be friends. The guy in three things down or three drinks down who then asks you out and you're like, no, I don't want to do that we'll take it personally. Whereas when you go, I have a blanket rule that when I'm working, I'm working and I'm here and I'm happy to chat to you guys. So the venue that I'm at is quite small outside from our football days. We often have heaps of time to chat to the regulars and get to know them or anybody who comes in. Uh, so we can have those kind of relationships that can feel very intimate, but making sure that you have that kind of hard line there is really important. And I think like I said, thinking about not just the person that's in front of you, but the person that's three stores down listening translates really well to social media where it's like, you know, imagine that you're always talking in a space where somebody who is not necessarily the person that you're talking directly to, but within earshot can still hear what you're saying. So maybe 90% of your followers, you could show them the front of your house and they would never do anything with that information. They'd just be like, oh yeah, cool. Like nice front door. Um, and not think twice about it, but you've also got to be considered of the people who are, I guess, listening in on that and do have those kind of bad intentions. And because I've always approached it from that angle and I've always been somebody who will demand respect. So I don't care really if you don't like that. Um, respect is free. You don't have to tip me. You don't have to do any of that stuff, but you do have to be respectful of me. Uh, again, in person and online means that often when people do go why do you do that I can go well even if you're fine I can't guarantee that everybody in this space is and so out of respect for my safety and out of respect for me being not having that stand kind of fan have too much information or be able to be a menace stop asking me these questions and generally what I find is that people will or if they won't they're probably the person that you don't want to know that information anyway so I don't feel that bad about denying them Okay, and I, and I thank you for that. Only one thing I want to correct you on, uh, you said demand, hmm. but you don't demand respect, you command respect. Because demanding yeah. it, and the only reason I clarify that right there is because you don't have to demand it just for your persona, you command it. You can just tell that. Um, well, some, sometimes I do have to remind people that that's, not a, that that's not a box you can choose to tick. You either do it or get out of my way. And I've got no issue turning stuff down like I'll turn opportunities down I will turn money down I don't care um because I, I don't know I guess it's that thing for me if it doesn't feel good what's the point I don't want to make like I don't want an opportunity that will make me thousands of dollars but I'm completely miserable the whole time um I'd rather have less opportunities that I have to work harder at or things like that but I feel really good the whole time I'm doing it because how something feels obviously we've all got to pay our bills and I'm not you know, I'm lucky to be in a position where I can turn money down. Um, but yeah, being able to go, I will walk away from opportunities if they're not respectful, if they don't feel good, um, is something that really does, 
allow me to, I guess, command respect because I can go, there's no other options here. I, you don't have a choice. And how does that make you feel? Like knowing that you, that you have that much control because not everybody has that much control. Some people are signed in and are contracted to do things. You know, you have all that creative control. How does that make you feel? Uh, it is a really good feeling. It's not something that I've always had. Um, I was actually talking to my mom earlier about how nice it is to have fuck you money and how that changes the way that I approach even jobs where I can approach bosses with more and I feel so bad for you guys in America some of your labor laws are real interesting um but being in a position where if my boss says so you're just going to have to do this I can be like I absolutely do not have to do that like that doesn't work for me that was not the agreement that we came to I don't think so being able to approach everything in that way from the start means that I'm it's one of those weird things where it seems really counterintuitive, but approaching jobs in that way means that then people go, oh, okay, so I don't have a choice. Like I have to treat you this way because I don't have a choice about it because you will walk away from this. Uh, people often will just go, oh, okay, well then if I have to, if I don't have to, then I'll walk all over you. But if I have to, all right. Uh, and it's allowed me to, the bosses that do want to walk all over me or do want to kind of push those boundaries, it has allowed me to walk away from those and to then be in a position where I can go like I really like my boss I really respect my boss I think that she's somebody who's really considered of the people around her you know she's the first one to jump in and work with all of us um but I also have a very great relationship with her where she knows I'll push back but I also know that you know sometimes she'll be like all right Holly come on (laughs) suck it up help (laughs) out um and we can have those really frank conversations but I do really it is not something that I ever am not grateful for because I really do appreciate that it's something that I've I've had to work a long time and very hard to get into this position and it is a position that some people no matter how hard they work never manage to achieve that so I'm I'm perpetually grateful to be in that position where I can uh walk away if people don't meet me where I am and I do think it's really sad that so many people are in a position where they feel like they can't push back ever when a lot of the time me pushing back doesn't lead to me getting fired it doesn't lead to me getting pulled up or being the problem employee or things like that it leads to people going oh yeah I hadn't considered that I'm so sorry my bad and then changing the way that they act towards me in a way that's really positive so I get to have these great jobs and these great opportunities that are available to other people but they don't have the capacity within themselves to demand that level of treatment or to to, you know set those boundaries for themselves yeah and it's a good way to get conformity to what you would like and not be you know you stand your ground they stand their ground but you let them know Mm -hmm. hey this is how this should be for me and and Mm -hmm. I really respect that now in all the content creation you do um and we haven't talked about the toys we'll touch on that a little bit because I know your schedule is a little tight so I won't dig too much all right but uh in content creation from being the model to working at the bar to dancing selectively nowadays, right? Um, um, oh, still a fair bit, but um, I don't work in venues anymore. So I just am booked for private functions, but I'm still doing it every weekend. So, okay. Yeah. Um, what, what what do you want to accomplish or what are you accomplishing with each facet of content that you're creating? Uh, so I think for a lot of it, um, I really am somebody who for a long time 
always was like, you know, a, a jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing, or a bit of a dilettante or things like that. Over, uh, so Melbourne, Australia got locked down real hard throughout this whole coronavirus pandemic thing going on. Um, we we uh, spent a lot of time not able to leave our houses. Um, but one of the upsides to that is it gave me the opportunity to kind of really spend some time with myself. And I discovered over the course of that, that I have ADHD, um, which, uh, so I, I guess post lockdown and post pandemic and all that stuff, the thing that I've really been focusing on is following the dopamine or following the things that I enjoy, because I know that I can apply myself really hard to things that I enjoy. But the second that something isn't providing me with that dopamine or with that joy, it becomes an incredibly hard thing to do. So at this point, I am, I know everybody's constantly, I think with every woman on Instagram ever, it's like, when's your, when are you getting an OnlyFans? Why don't you have an OnlyFans? All that kind of stuff. doesn't bring me joy. I'm not going to do it. Um, but I'm less focused on kind of getting those results, getting the like immediate payoff or the immediate numbers. I thankfully am able to pay my bills without it, even if I never become so much as a partner on Twitch or whatever the affiliate I think it is, is the first one. Um, I mean, I will make it there. Uh, but even if I never was to be able to do that and even be able to monetize in the smallest way, I can just kind of follow the joy. And what I have found in my life is that throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks really does. I often find opportunities that I never expected to have that um, become a, a great source of joy, a great source of profit, a great source of, um, yeah, I guess like a life plan that I wouldn't have been able to plan for or a life path I wouldn't be able to plan for. Uh, I also really enjoy, I think that one of my strengths in person and online is having a strong community. Like I have really great people. I've had, um, you know, there's a bit of a thing in that a, a performer and showgirl kind of community of the like, oh, nobody's regulars last more than two years and then they want too much. They don't know where the boundaries are or things like that. I've got regulars that I've had for 10 years now um, and are still very respectful of my boundaries and um so, yeah, I guess for me, I'm just, I'm really focused at this point on just on a few different platforms, really building that community where I feel really connected to everybody. And I feel like I'm really enjoying that kind of stuff. And I find that the the money and the business and all that kind of stuff tends to naturally follow. So. Okay. Now, yeah. real quickly, let's jump over here to Twitch. Uh, everybody goes to Twitch. Twitch is something of a phenomenon. I mean, you both know being content creators. That is an untapped bubble for a lot of us. A lot of us, because mm -hmm. it, to me, um, and just in understand audience, I'm giving you this little insight because a lot of people don't think about this. Twitch and maybe TikTok are the last two things that haven't been fully touched and algorithm into a way that you can't get new, like, well, with Instagram, you can get new uh, people to follow you, but eventually it just becomes a place where it's a reminder for people. Twitch, for me, has been this deal where, like, I meet new people every time. Like when me and you are done with this, I'm going to go put this little game right here on Streets of Rage. And, and I don't even play it that much. Just throw it on. And I know that it's going to pull in a certain amount of people and they'll come listen. So for you, mm -hmm. you play V Rising. V Rising is a fairly popular game to a degree, but you could have jumped yeah. on Fortnite. You could have jumped on PUBG. You could have jumped on anything. What made you decide to play V Rising and tie us into your video game involvement in life? 
Yeah, so I've always been a gamer. I um, grew up playing, you know, like a Nintendo 64 or a PlayStation. You know, I always joke that I was the one of my relatives who got the Game Boy Color. So I had the really high tech one and everybody was very jealous. Um, so, you know, I've been, and my mum played Tomb Raider when I was a kid on, you know, when she still had square features and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's always been something that's really just actually been part of what I do I've never been a like I mean I know for me when I was younger when people were streaming games and things like that it was like you had to be a pro level gamer and I've never been that kind of person I enjoy just playing things for the pleasure of playing them uh which I think is a big part of why I didn't go for say Fortnite or PUBG or things like that I've played Fortnite once with one of my friend's kids and uh I still don't actually know what the hell you're supposed to be doing or what any <laughs> of the buttons do I was terrible and I'm happy to say that um but yeah so for me it was if I'm going to do this thing I've had people requesting that I do Twitch since I started talking about things like the Arkham games when they were new um so I it's been something that for me I put off for a really long time because I think there is that level of vulnerability of being live and anything you say or do or things like, I mean look how many people's Twitch fails make it onto YouTube compilations and things like that <laughs> um god forbid um but I so yeah it was something that it took me a really long time to get comfortable with that level of I guess vulnerability um and I think it took a while for me to really appreciate the fact that a lot of people don't care about watching someone be a pro gamer sometimes that's what you want sometimes that's you know I know for me when I was playing Hollow Knight for example not on Twitch um I really liked looking at videos where somebody was really good at something so that I could be like, what am I supposed to do in this section of this game? I'm so stuck, uh, especially for any people who've played at the White Palace where it's just the like worst <laughs> platformer that doesn't relate to any other part of the game. So you're just there being like, how do I not face plant something that wants to kill me? I don't understand. So being able to see how people did that, it's useful to see somebody who is really really skilled do it but a lot of the time it is a bit I guess humanizing to watch someone suck and watch someone fail and and I have found actually with playing Be Rising so that was something that one of my followers suggested and then another follower was like wait your birthday's coming up I want to buy you a video game I was like well this has just been suggested as something I'd really like why not that um but it was something I found I have gained a few followers from me just being like I don't understand. What am I doing? Where am I going? How do I do this? People like being able to come in and help and being like, hey, I've got this knowledge about this stuff. You press this button or move this here or this means this. Um, and actually they're much better tutorials than the games themselves, but they also give people the satisfaction of being able to come in and help. Um, and I definitely think that I'll experiment with playing different games and all that kind of stuff. But I yeah I didn't choose V Rising because it was popular necessarily I just was like I just yeah we'll play something that I enjoy and I think people pick up on that people can kind of smell I guess when you're like I really hate this game but it's really popular so I guess I'll do it this is the worst uh seeing somebody do something they enjoy it might be a slower build for a platform but you're going to again have a more engaged community which is the thing that's really valuable to me so you know having a smaller community of people who are really invested in what I'm doing and really invested in me as a person is more important to me than playing the most popular game. Yeah. And having 10,000 followers that don't care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay, it. Okay. Uh, 
and, and I tell you, uh, that's an amazing game. I actually am a Diablo player, and I have. I love Diablo. <laughs> I love Diablo, and the reason I don't stream it is because I know it's going to have that same kind of following, like the people that do Skyrim and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's heavy. So one day, uh, I figure when it gets cold again, I'm going to bring bring Diablo out one more time, and I'm going to stream mm-hmm. it somewhere and do something with that. So thank you so much for that. So now. The end of the show, I pay homage to an American news magazine, which it's actually a television mm. show. It's called 2020. 2020 um, is a show that was uh, originated with three people, John Stossel, Diane Sawyer, and the greatest reporter ever, Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters, Diane Sawyer, they ask amazing questions. Um, John Stossel was the comedic relief in this. So we'll do a John Stossel question real quick. And the first one is <laughs> this. You're a Star Wars fan. What is your favorite movie in your character? What character do you like? Um, oh, I don't know about favorite. I think favorite movie. I'll always have the nostalgia factor for the the first few. I don't know which one specifically I'd pick, but uh, nothing will beat that nostalgia factor. Um, favorite character. I think probably Princess Leia. It was really amazing watching her go. I mean, after I'm like the early ones are my favorites to watching her kind of in the later movies become a general and and really come into her own as a leader rather than just being someone who's, you know, I mean, often the princess in movies is just that decorative character and just that, you know, romantic lead who's really there for the male characters to have more character development. Um, I've got a soft spot for Carrie Fisher too, so I guess (laughs) there's probably some of that not separating the art from the (laughs) artist that makes me like her. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think hard to beat that one for being a really great role model for my generation of women uh, okay. to go. Yeah, go be a leader. Why not? And, and I like her. And, and I also like what they're doing in Skywalker. I mean, with um, not Skywalker, with um, the the new uh, ben, the Kenobi series, if you haven't yeah. seen it yet. No, like, yeah, no, I haven't gotten across all of the new ones. I Oh, well, <laughs> then I won't tell you. I, I, I won't tell you anything. I'll just say that there's a Princess Leia there also uh, nice. um, yeah okay i'll go this, i'll make sure i a new adage there now getting deeper into things um being mm-hmm. a content creator um no one ever asked you this question and, I, and you probably have never been asked this and if you have been asked this i'm asking you again what do you do for self-care because inside of all this uh you never know that all the labors of love that you do even if it's a picture of you and your dog that may move someone but everything you do takes mental energy and every positive thing we put out in the world is a mental plus, but we get mental anguish from the negative parts we receive. So how do you take, what is your self-care? Because that's one of the most important things uh, that people don't get to hear. People don't ask. It's not that they don't care. It's just, you know, you're a content creator and they're like, oh, you have it all figured out. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's something that I probably, again, kind of have to, as tough as it was, thank all of our lockdowns for um because prior to that time period of being forced to stop for a really long period of time I really didn't take care of myself I just went and went and went and there was a lot of me being run down on me not giving myself time and space that just felt normal because I'd been doing it for so long um I had very demanding careers before this one so it was kind of natural for me to place the same demands on myself when I was my own boss um, and push really hard. So kind of post all of those lockdowns, I guess, slowing down. So really making sure to schedule time where I'm not doing anything, 
I'm not required to be anywhere. I'm not required to do any of that stuff. And I can just mentally decompress. Uh, spending a lot more time with friends. So I've really put a lot of effort into building forced time with friends into my schedule, uh, whether that's making the effort to plan something, even if it's weeks out, so that that's then locked into my diary and I can't use that time for anything work-related, um, or building projects in with my friends. So I'm working on a podcast with one of my friends that started as conversations we were already having and obviously has expanded out from there but for us it's that thing of uh, she was saying somebody went to her like oh what have you had to cut to do that and she went I don't have to cut anything we were already having these conversations the biggest thing is that we're just hitting record now so yeah like as much as it's still work it's work that's focused around rather than just working for the sake of working and working for the sake of ticking those boxes it's working on projects that then force me to like oh no I have to spend every week I have to spend at least a day with one of my friends having really interesting conversations what a terrible time what a terrible thing to be doing working so yeah I think it's a combination of being more conscious about the time that I'm blocking out for stuff and then being more conscious of what I am doing, even if it happens to be for profit or for public consumption. Um, same thing again with aerials. That is something I was doing before lockdown, but I very much, I know I got back there to my teacher and was like, oh my God, I can fix so many things just being able to exercise out a lot of stress and anxiety and, and all of that kind of stuff. I do think exercise is really important. A lot of content creators drop that. Um because it's easy to sit at your desk for hours and hours and hours and, you know, be editing photos or videos or podcasts or whatever platform you're on or be playing video games on Twitch for eight hours straight. Um, but doing something that's really physical, I think, is really important. Uh, I mean, it's been shown in a whole bunch of studies that the way that we release stress and release trauma is by physically moving. So doing something that is just about going for a run, doing aerials, doing pole classes, you know, do Pilates or whatever it is that works for you, um, weightlifting, but going and spending some time physically in your body, I think is really helpful as well uh, as all of the mindfulness practices and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and I thank you for that because that is one of the hardest things to tell people because people think we're all invincible. Like me, for instance, I'm a collector of, uh, Pico projectors, like they're small projectors, size of a can. And I show random movies. I bootleg movies for a living. Sorry, people mm. that make movies, but whatever. Um, so let's go deeper and deeper because that's what the conversation is for. And that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. um, in America, we have this thing called a billboard. A billboard mm -hmm. signifies that you've made it. I don't care if you're on, if you've got 10 million followers on whatever you're on, you're an IG live model or IG live influencer. If you have a billboard, you have made it in the world. So Coming uh, to the States, in Australia, you mm -hmm. go to Sydney, because Sydney would be the place that I would have a billboard somewhere. Your billboard is in Sydney. What does it say? And what is the message you're going to put across on it in Sydney? Now, not and now I know that when audience are thinking about Sydney, you're thinking about that. Is it like an arena or something that's near the water or something? I'm talking about like actually inside the town, if there's a place that you get put the billboard. <laughs> um, you'd probably be hanging it off the side of the Sydney Harbour Bridge um, I think the big thing for me um, so my prior to the professional beer wench thing my um, 
bio or whatever and it is actually something we're using for the podcast um or repurposing I guess but the like big boobs bigger brains kind of thing which a big approach to how I've always done stuff is not always on purpose it's something that I've reflected on recently but I kind of call it the Elle Woods approach where um, I don't know if you've seen Legally Blonde, but yes. you know, know the concept. Yeah, well, <laughs> you would know your movies, hey. Um, but it's that thing of the like, rather than trying to pretend to be someone she wasn't, she succeeded by leaning into the fact that she loves pink and she cares about beauty and hair care and things like that. And I mean, that's how she wins the case at the end is she's like, hang on a second, you just had a perm. What are you doing in the shower? because she cares about that stuff and she knows about that stuff. So a big part of kind of what I'm trying to do always is go, I don't have to make a choice between being someone who's smart and being somebody who's, I guess, conventionally attractive or sexy or whatever you want to, like, box you want to put that in. Um, But being somebody who can embrace the fact that I do care about how I look and I do get enjoyment from that, but also I get enjoyment from the intellectual stuff or the nerdy stuff or the the brain stuff, I guess. Um, So, yeah, I guess if I had to sum it up into anything, I kind of had it really early on with the, the big boobs, bigger brains. (laughs) okay (laughs) kind of concept and once again it is that like sense of humor I guess that I have that is really not taking myself too seriously because a lot of people would shy away from that they're like you can't say that was like well I just did so (laughs) what are you gonna do Um, with it right yeah like (laughs) a bit late to tell me I can't now now to a serious question (laughs) there was a Harley in life that was broken there was a Harley that wasn't complete could have been in, in some people's early on in life, it could have been like eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So to that broken Harley that's not here now, you're the Harley Davidson of Harley Sun now. <laughs> that's it. And that's just the thing. I'm surprised you didn't go Harley Davidson as a name, but anyway. Lots of people go, Oh, you didn't do Davidson? It's like whatever. <laughs> sure, call me that. I don't care. <laughs> okay. As long as you remember me, call me that. <laughs> All right. So um that broken person. What would you say to that person now that you're the person you are now? Because the things that that go along with age and things like that, I, I understand people always say that you can have wisdom at a young age, but certain types of maturity and certain ty- types of self-esteem issues come to light in, in the big breakout. So to the younger Harley, to the Harley you are now, what would you tell the younger Harley if you had a moment to sit at a round table and discuss some things? So I think there's two things that I'd say that are the kind of, I guess, big things. One would be, I always want to just be like, dude, you've got ADHD, go get tested. (laughs) But a lot of the stuff around that for me was about the idea that I was like lazy or messy or too emotional or things like that. Um, And I think the thing that I'd want to convey to myself, however I said it, is that a lot of the stuff that you are allowing to be obstacles are actually your greatest strengths when you figure out how to approach them correctly because the just do it or the like forcing yourself against your when you just hate it and you can't do it and all that kind of stuff forcing yourself through is not the way to get to your goals try different things because you will find a system that works and those things that you thought were weaknesses will become strengths um or at least not be obstacles anymore Um, But the other thing that I'd say is that uh, action changes mindset. Mindset doesn't change action. 
um, which is a quote from someone that I'm not going to attribute correctly because I listen to so many things and I read so many things that I often just, it becomes one big melting pot, but I'm not going to claim credit for that idea. But it is something that I think for me anyway, I have not ever grown or expanded what I'm doing or leveled up, I guess, if you want to go back to the video game kind of thing. It's like often I think life is very much like that thing where you accidentally defeat a boss before you're really ready and you're like, oh, so all the enemies now are like three levels up and I'm dying as soon as I face anything. Um, but then as you progress, you get better and you get more capable of it. I think life is actually very similar where you don't become somebody who is capable of more by sitting in your room meditating on it that can be part of a bigger practice and things like that but at some point it is action that changes mindset so go and do the thing you might only be able to push the line a little bit further but push it that little bit further and keep pushing it that little bit further because there's so much stuff now that is so natural to me that I only learned how to do by throwing myself in the deep end and being bad at it or being scared that I was going to fail or, you know, all of the different things. And that's something that I try and consciously do now is go, where do I want to level up and what am I afraid of? Uh, so, you know, am I afraid that I'll start doing merch and that I so saw I'm ordering merch at the moment. That's going to be something that gets launched soon. Um, but just that process of doing something that has a slow return, because I've done things for so many years that have a really immediate return. Um, you know, you do a show, you get paid immediately. So you don't have to sit in that waiting period where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this has succeeded. I don't know if I'm doing a good job. I don't know if I'm making the right call. And you just have to be okay with that process and trust that process to get the payoff down the track. And that's something that I have to adjust to because it's not how I've worked to this like thus far. Twitch is another example. Just get on there and sometimes lose your train of thought mid-sentence or suck at a game or go, okay, I can have conversations really well and I can play video games pretty well, but doing them both at the same time is a work in progress. Um, but yeah, I don't think that you level up without just forcing yourself to do stuff and stay there until it feels normal and then go find a new normal. Okay. Okay. Now, the lasting part, um, and we're going to use the UK and we'll use the United States. A little bit of a role play that I do with people. Um, mm -hmm. So you've got all this stuff accomplished. The next big thing for everybody on earth is to do a TED Talk. A TED Talk mm -hmm. means that you have made it. That's me. That's the, once I do a TED Talk, I'll probably retire. If I get one next week, <laughs> I'll retire. Um, Shazus will come out, but I'll retire. So you're going to do a TED Talk in two places that are prestigious. We'll say Oxford in the UK. And then we'll say in the United States, let's get a prestigious university. Let's just use Princeton because everybody knows Princeton University or <laughs> Yale, one of the two. So your conversation is going to be about content creation and mm -hmm. the content creation growth because your success is based on this. It, it goes, and this is just my opinion. You can give me your opinion on success. It's where you started from to where you are now. It's not mm -hmm. about how the accolades go up or down or how all that stuff is just you're not doing what you were doing 16 months ago or 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. And there's been progression in your eyes. So yeah. what would be the, the statement that you would give to all these people watching you? You know, you're going to do a show in uh, at Oxford and then you're going to do one at Princeton in America. What would that first sentence or, or what would you say to the crowd when you have the microphone in your hand and you're ready to just go with it? Uh, I guess there's two things. One is, I think, a great lesson in life 
is to only keep track of your own high score. So by all means, look at what other people are doing and what you can learn from them. But especially in a space where it's easy to look at everybody else's numbers and what everybody else is achieving, screw all of that, focus on your own high score. So if the most engagement you've ever gotten on a post is 30, don't worry about somebody who's getting 30,000. Worry about getting 31, 32, 33 as you go and just focus on beating your own high score because rather than looking at somebody who is in a completely different position with completely different skill sets and probably quite a bit more experience, achieve something that feels unattainable. Often that just shuts us down. So we stop doing things, we stop making progress, focus on your own high school and focus on just trying to do a little bit better. And the only time you ever need to, if somebody else's numbers come in is go, well, that's just proof that it can be done, but I'm not worried about that. What I'm gonna focus on is my high score and where I can get to next. And I think the other thing that a lot of people forget about, because obviously people succeed without this sometimes, but especially if you want to make it part of your business or you want to make it something that you can do for a long period of time, be likable. Uh, And that doesn't just mean be likable online. It means be likable behind the scenes. I've had so many opportunities come my way because people like me. So when they've got the opportunity to throw someone else's name into the ring, they will say my name because they want to see me succeed with them because they want to support me and because I they know I'll do the same thing for them. Um, and that is something that you, I certainly didn't do on purpose. I just happen to like a lot of the people that I work with. I love what I do and I think that that comes through quite naturally. But if I was going to go back and kind of go, what is it in my success that is able to be replicated one I never cared about what anybody else was making I never cared about what anybody else was earning any of that kind of stuff I always focused on how to beat myself because the only person who matters to beat is me today um or me yesterday and then yeah I think being focusing on being likable because people will come out of the woodwork to go hey here's a tip that you might not know about here's something that you weren't even aware that existed here's a conversation that you weren't in the room for but your name was still brought up and that opportunity was still made available to you because somebody who liked you was in that room um you know it's it's a guess a more complicated way of saying network But I think people often in this day and age kind of approach networking as a how to win friends and influence people. So it comes across as a little bit sales pitchy and a little bit scammy rather than just genuinely wanting to connect with people and having it be something that's really natural and being like, even if I'm not trying to sell you anything, like maybe there there is something that I want from you. But even if there isn't, hey, you seem really cool. I'm really interested. Um, I think those are the, the real kind of keys to maybe not that astronomical immediate like oh my god I went viral overnight success but to actually having long-term success and actually being somebody who even if you're not recognized by as many people you're more successful because there's plenty of people across all platforms who have great numbers but are not making the most of those numbers or don't have the opportunities presented to them where they can actually make a living from it Um, and if you're not at some point focused on making it part of your life in a way that makes you a living or brings you joy then it's just vanity (laughs) and then you may as well buy your followers and be like look at me I've got a million followers because you're just doing it for vanity you're not actually doing it for any kind of measure of actual success okay and I like that answer now Harley Sin, we've come to the end of this episode so the, the the thing that I do here is I do a testimony for people of just a 
little bit of time we've talked through our pre-call, through our quick little pause and different things like that. You're an extraordinary person. And when I say an extraordinary person, um, we go inside that that uh, adjective there and we get a little deeper into it. So you have to have fortitude to do what you do. And the reason is, is because being a simple um, portion of what you do is, uh, no matter what we say, is you you sell sex to a degree, mm-hmm. the, the imagery and all that. And then doing that, and in doing that, and still being able to be conceptual and have like a variety to what you do. You're not just, you're not only fans person. And that, that's what was, that's what's great about you. Like you have class in what you do and, and being able to do that, move over to Twitch and, and then still be able to, you know, you're forming a podcast and do all this stuff in, in a light that is amazing is great because not a lot of people can do that. A lot of times things translate to a negative image from selling sex because people want to be like hey this is derogatory you're doing this Mm -hmm. at night and then during the day you want to be this and you're not even portraying that you're being very careful you're being you have a lot of ingenuity to you and you can't sell that you can't manufacture that that's just something you're born with or it's something that genetically gets handed down to you so to your parents to your grandparents kudos to them for that um being very humble you have a characteristic to you that is not something that people carry inside this world common decency also Hmm. that is the hardest thing to have in this industry of or just in content creation as a whole because people get they get it a little bit of success changes people people go crazy and when I say crazy I'm not talking about a mental sense I'm talking about they go they have a craze to them they're like hey I'm this I'm popular they take that high school vibe and they're like I am more than just trendy I am the fad and you don't do that. And that's something, pat yourself on the back to look in the mirror, uh, do a little extra look to yourself because mm-hmm. like I said, it's a lot of stuff that you have that's that most people have to get manufactured. That's not manufactured, it's a natural ability. Natural ability, um, natural talent is so hard because people force talent nowadays. Uh, just like yeah. when you were talking about playing video games, you know, there's some people that are extra level and there's some people that have a intermediate and then there's some people that are just beginners, but they have everything else around them that make them great. So keep doing all that. Um, next thing, having solidarity within yourself to know that when you produce something, you can get a positive and a negative reaction, but your reaction to it is staying neutral. Mm-hmm. Having that is the greatest possible skill that anyone could possess because if you don't have neutrality in things that you do when you're creating something you will always get the negative end of things so i want to thank you once again for having that and for letting the audience uh see that in this episode and it's not a portrayal it's actually who you are um that is the Mm -hmm. main thing there's no portrayal to what you do you are who you are and keep doing that and if you stop doing that one day um become a franchise because most things, <laughs> most things, when you, the things start becoming a portrayal, and I said portrayal of something, not a betrayal, because some people with my English, you speak fast. Uh, a betrayal, you can just become a franchise like McDonald's or Wendy's or something, you know, because they're a betrayal of what McDonald's used to be. So, yeah. and saying all that, that's your testimony, Harley Sin. I want you to take that with you. I want you to uh, fold Thank it you. up, put it inside an envelope, uh, and keep it. 
because you are an amazing person. Continue doing the content creation you do. And one of the classic things that we do on this episode, we have a shameless plug. Harley Sin, it's your time to do a shameless plug so everyone can know where they can meet and greet you across the internet. And don't be um, no holds barred. Tell them wherever that you want them to meet you on the internet. And also audience inside the show notes later on, Harley will provide me with tons of information that you will be able to find her and to link up to all of her information. And also remember this uh, to all audiences. She is uh, in another country for me. So she is over in Australia. So the, there is a time difference. Uh, it's a, it's a late time difference, but uh, <laughs> be, uh, with, with anything in content creation, never be courteous to what you send. I mean, not, I mean, be courteous to what you send. I mean, be courteous, to, not be courteous to the time. That's what I meant to say. Not what you send. <laughs> be careful what you send. Um, but uh, time frames, I, I can, she's like me. I'm up at all different times. So you never know when you'll catch me. So um, the floor is yours. Please tell them where they can meet and greet you on the internet. Uh, so probably the best place to find me is uh, I've been on Instagram the longest so that's harley.forever all words um, and from there I've got links to everything else so including my twitch which is also harley forever but there's a number in there so you can just click straight through um, and all the other platforms you know tiktok yeah my podcast will be there when it is ready to go live um, all those things it can all be found in there. So you can just click the link in my bio. Uh, unfortunately, if you are looking for my OnlyFans, it won't be there, but everything else is. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's that's the big, that's the easiest place to find me and, and work your way out from there, depending on what kind of part of what I do you're interested in. You might find that you like me on more than one platform or you might find that you only like one and that's cool too. Uh, <laughs> I think every bit is different and yeah please don't stress about the time zone I'm such a night owl this is I'm so not going straight from here to bed I'll be up for ages <laughs> <laughs> all right because I just wondered that because like you know like like I said earlier audience it's 9 a.m here and what are we about 11 o'clock there now yeah yeah so it's 11 p.m here but I'm a massive massive night owl so I work hard but I work late and I sleep in so lots of people look at the time I get up and they're like oh my god I can't believe you sleep in so much how do you get anything done it's like because when you're all sleeping I'm awake <laughs> <laughs> and work never stops uh anything in content creation people is 24 7 it never stops even when you're asleep there's actually people that sleep on switch now um yeah i've seen some of that i gotta say that is one of those areas where there's some stuff i can be like doesn't do it for me but i can see where there's an audience for that that one i'm like really are you sure i've seen two on tiktok the ones where you can if you tip it makes a noise or something it wakes them up i'm like it would take <laughs> me about three seconds to smash my phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be over for me there. So once again, I am JR from West Virginia and Commonplace, and we have had Harley Sin on the show all the way from, you said Melbourne, right? Melbourne. Melbourne, uh, Melbourne, Australia. Sorry, guys, that I had to correct that. Um, for some <laughs> reason, I was thinking about Jason Bourne, um, Bourne Identity, yeah. and, and that's where I enunciated. It's pretty it common different. for uh, Americans to say, like, Melbourne, but... Um... Yeah, which is why I always say think fire, fire burns. So Melbourne. Okay, Melbourne. Because um, we, we would just put a, go ahead. Or, or the other one is if you listen to a lot of Australians, it does sound like we're saying bin, so Melbourne. Um, <laughs> so we'll definitely um, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the real life tip for you is how to say Melbourne. <laughs> All right, and thank you very much. So audience, we are signing off now. Um, Make sure you go check her out and... Everything will be up on the website, 
wpuncommonplace.com. Um, I know I got a little slow on that one. I, I had a brain fart. Uh, other than <laughs> that, guys, yes, yes, we do. Other than that, guys, we are signing off. Peace out.